So good having you with us today on Mom's Day. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 within God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 8 as we run into it this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8 within God's Word. We'll turn to that main text uh, in a bit. What a beautiful joy of the Lord that is here this morning. Amen. If you'd like to follow along and take notes, uh, there's a sermon study guide where you can fill in the blanks and uh, join us on that. A young man, a young man had run to the grocery store just to pick up a few items, just a few things. And it was creepy. He noticed this old woman following him around and staring at him. When he got up to the checkout counter, she said, Would you mind if I step in front of you? kind of wondering and confused, he said, sure. She said, you see, you look exactly like my son who recently passed away. And I'd like to ask you if you could do something for me. When I leave the store, could you shout out, goodbye, Mom, I love you, and, and, and wave to me? The woman purchased all of her groceries, and as she wheeled her cart out the door, the young man, uh, in compliance, waved at her and said, Goodbye, Mom. I, I love you. Just taking his few articles, he came up to the cash register, and before he even checked them through, the cashier said, uh, that'll be $127.51. He said, what? I only picked up a few things. She said, your mother said that you would pay her bill. <laughs> Watch out for those little old ladies. The games that people play. Play. We've been on a sermon, a message series called The Games That People Play. And don't you know, people are playing games all the time with us, whether you know it or not. It's not really, it doesn't really matter the games people play with us. It's how you respond. It's how you respond. And the Bible teaches us how to be winners all the time in our response to the games that people play. Each week, we've been uh, sharing a TV commercial of a different board game that perhaps you grew up with. Do you remember this TV commercial? Always remember to forgive and forget. Sorry, you hit me up getting back. Game of sorry. Slide, switch, and bump your way home before someone makes you. Sorry. you back. Do we understand? Sorry, you hit me up getting back. Sorry. What's the board game? Sorry. Who's made you feel so sorry? Who's made you feel so sorry? Have you been made to feel sorry uh, because you trusted a salesperson and you bought something that turned out to be uh, a waste? Have you been made to feel sorry because you hired a guy to work on your house or your car and... Now you're real sorry because it's still, still broke. It's still not fixed. It's worse than it was before. 
Have you been made to feel sorry because of the one who said vows to you, holy vows, and they didn't keep them? Have you been made to feel sorry because of who you've, been give, you, you've given birth to? Things can disappoint us. Circumstances can bring despair. But nothing can rob us of our happiness. I'm convinced of this. Nothing can make us feel more sorry and more miserable like people. More than things, more than circumstances, I'm convinced that people and the hurts, the games they play with us, can bring more depression than anything else. Write it down with me if you're taking notes. Depression is the greatest mental health problem on the planet. Last year, over 70,000 people attempted suicide. More than a half of those were suffering from depression. Newsweek magazine has cited depression, long the leading mental illness in the United States, is now virtually epidemic, and suicide is its all-too-frequent outcome. Research indicates that more human suffering results from depression than any other disease. Now, the depression that I'm going to be talking about this morning is not, is not clinical depression. It is not a bipolar disorder. I'm talking about normal depression that we all become subject to. That negative state of mind that wants to knock at all of our doors with a black cloud of discouragement, disappointment, despair. And I'm convinced that black cloud of depression knocks the loudest when the source is the hurts that come from people. Look at the heroes of the Bible to show you that all of us are subject to normal depression. Look at the heroes of the Bible. Take Job, for example. I'm talking about Job, who lost everything. Finances, children, health. Lost everything, but he was left with what? He was left with three comforters. They were a real joy, weren't they? I mean, they said, Job, there's sin in your life. That's why you've got problems. And then he was left with a wife who was a real piece of work. She said, Job, curse God and die. And how did Job respond? Job in chapter 3 said, He opened his mouth. He cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, may the day of my birth perish. Listen, you don't have to be Sigmund Freud to see depression in that statement. Elijah suffered from depression. When Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him, Elijah shouted out towards heaven. Elijah said, Lord, take my life. I'm the only one left living for you. You think you've had problems with your children? King David, King David's son Absalom, not only betrayed him, not only took his throne, but he hunted his dad down like an animal. And how did David respond? Oh, tell me if you see depression here. Second Samuel chapter 15, but David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping 
every step he took, his head was covered, and he was barefoot, a sign of depression. Even in the end, after walking with Jesus for three years, this gives me comfort as a pastor, because I sometimes wonder, does anybody listen to my sermons? Even after three years of hearing Jesus' preaching and teaching, the disciples were depressed. They were so depressed that Jesus had to say in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be, what? Troubled. Write it down. Most try to conquer depression by pursuing what they perceive to be real sources of happiness. Happiness. We live in a world that if they want to be happy, they run to places of, of amusement. They go to Disney World, Cedar Point, Las Vegas, the movie theater, or even their big screen TV. Why? They want to be happy. Many pay for cruises, uh, timeshares, cabins, boats, RVs, snowmobiles, ATVs, jet skis, uh, big boys, toys. Why do we do those things? To be happy. Then there's the malls, the stores, the outlets, uh, the, the clearance sales, Partridge Creek. We shop till we drop. Why do we do that? To be happy. Others drink up, they shoot up, they snort up to be happy. Others pursue making love, shacking up, extramarital affairs, bed hopping. Why? To be happy. Some marry because they want to be happy. And then they find out their spouse had the same idea. And now they're both singing the song, The Impossible Dream. <laughs> and then you can finish this one for me. We work our fingers to the bone to be happy, and all we end up with are... You, you've been listening to my sermons a long time. Americans have more reasons to be happy than any other nation on the planet. Yet we have the highest incidence of depression per capita than any other culture. Even though our nation only represents 6% of the world's population, we utilize 92% of the world's tranquilizers. What does it all add up to? We're the most unhappy people who have ever walked across human history. Yet the real tragedy is this. This spirit of gloom and doom, unhappiness, depression has invaded the church. You ought to stand where I stand week after week. Sometimes you wonder, am I pastoring the church of the first Frigidaire? God's chosen frozen? One churchgoer said, the only way I can wake up in the morning with a smile on my face is to go to bed at night with a clothes hanger stuck in my mouth. And because many in the church pursue the same sources of happiness that the world does. It's no wonder, it's no wonder there's such a high incidence in the church of sorry, sorry conditions. I'm talking about it's no wonder 
that the rate, the rate, the statistics of bankruptcy, brokenness, divorce, and depression, and spiritual defeat are the same in the church as they are in the world. I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a better way. Do you want to hear that God has a better way? You want to hear that better way this morning? I want to talk to you about the power, the power of joy. God promises us something far greater than happiness. God offers his children a dimension in living which beats happiness every time. It's called the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8.10, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness is based on happenings. If you have good happenings, then you're happy. If you have bad happenings, then you're sad. Happiness is as changeable as Michigan weather. I want you to know that Jesus prayed in his longest prayer, the longest prayer recorded in the Bible, Jesus prayed that you would have consistent joy, consistent happiness in him, the joy of the Lord. Jesus prayed in John 17, the full measure of my joy within them. Notice those two words, full measure. Circle those on your sermon study guide. Circle full measure. Does the Lord want you to have a half a tank or a full tank of joy? Full tank constantly. There it is. You know, some Christians, can I, can I share with you a, a pastoral pet peeve? Some Christians in the church have a mistaken, false notion about this journey called the Christian life. I'll have the so-called spiritual saints come up to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, you know this life, this journey called being a Christian, it's a pathway that's marked by trials, tribulation, and trouble. It's a trail. <laughs> it's a trail of tears, Pastor. And our only hope, if you quaver in your voice, it's more spiritual. And our only hope, Pastor, is on that day when we walk on those streets that are paved with gold. That will be our only joy. What a day that will be when Jesus we shall see. I want you to know that that's unbiblical, that is false, that is heretical. Jesus' joy is not just for tomorrow. Jesus' joy is for the here and now. Jesus' joy is not just for heaven. Jesus' joy is for you in the here and now. Amen. Jesus said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The Bible is a book of joy from cover to cover. You won't find more statements on joy, more teaching on joy than any other book in human writ. Jesus wants your joy to be full. Jesus brought joy wherever he went, and he's still doing it today. You see, real joy is Jesus' joy. 
You can't separate the, you can't separate the joy from Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have real joy, wonderful joy, exceeding great joy. There's a practical side to this joy. Do you know that real joy? Do you know that Jesus' joy brings health? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart does good like medicine. Joyful people are healthy people. <laughs> I, I have even read documented testimonies uh, of men and women even bound up with cancer that have been able, through joy, have been able to laugh their way to health, vitality, and freedom from cancer. John Heggie is a great one that has a number of testimonies that he's documented of that. Scientists have researched uh, on this. They have discovered how laughter releases endorphins in your brain, a substance that helps the body fight disease and release healing power in your body and my body. Oh, here's one you'll enjoy. Real joy makes you better looking. Then you're cooking. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> you heard about the woman that died on the operating table, went to heaven, and God said, I'm sorry, but your time's not up. I'm sending you back to earth. Since she was in the hospital, since she came back into her body there in the hospital, she thought, you know, I'm going to have some work done on this bod. She had a tummy tuck and liposuction and facelift and a lip job and I mean she had a complete overhaul she even went in the beauty parlor and had her hair dyed a different color walked out of that beauty salon walked on out and wouldn't you know it BAM truck hit her and she's back in heaven she said God why God, why? You said my time wasn't up. You said I could live out my years. Why? He shook his head and said, I'm sorry, miss, but I just didn't recognize you. <laughs> Listen, you can color your hair. You can get a toupee. <laughs> you can have Botox. You can have a lip job, tummy tuck facelift. You can do all that stuff. But I'll tell you right now, what will make you good looking is being joyful, walking with Jesus' joy. Nobody wants to be around a downer. You'll find, you'll find, and if you walk with Jesus' joy, you will make yourself more available to be hired and to be employed. You will position yourself for promotion. That's right. Yes. Plus, walking with Jesus' joy compared to Botox, hey, Jesus' joy is free. <laughs> what a deal. There it is. Amen. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than a tummy tuck. Joy. We're talking about Jesus' joy. 
is the, the, the most unmistakable, infallible sign of the presence of the Lord in your life. Walking with Jesus' joy is the greatest tactic I could ever share with you on how to be a soul winner. Walking with Jesus' joy is an advance advertisement for Jesus. Just by the way you smile, by your attitude, by the words that come out of your mouth. How many, how many, how many, how many of you have ever stood in the security line at Orlando International Airport? How many, how many of you know that the security TSA line at Orlando International Airport is a whole lot longer than what we have here at Detroit? Ever take a, a snapshot of the people's faces standing in that line? Now you try to be one of those poor TSA people. And you wait there, wait there, wonder if you're going to catch your plane. We were just there last week. I gave my driver's license and I gave my boarding pass to the TSA agent. And he looked at my license and he said, Well, Mr. Christ, how are you doing today? I said, I'm doing excellent, just awesome. He looked at me, he stopped, he put everything down. He said, you're the first person that I've heard that from all day long. If I'd had time, you talk about an open door to share Jesus with someone. I, I have used excellent over the years. Terry Denmark uses marvelous. What's your opener when people ask you, how are you doing? Beautiful. Amen. Charisse and Ken down here are saying they use beautiful. What is your word? Okay, some say awesome. Listen, joy, Jesus' joy, will not only make you healthier, more attractive, it'll create open doors for you to be a soul winner for Jesus and to give him all the praise and the glory because somebody's going to inquire what makes you excellent, what makes you marvelous, what makes you beautiful, why are you so awesome? Let me tell you, <laughs> Jesus. There it is. There it is. Yes. No one wants to be around a downer. Even God is attracted to joyful people. You got Bible on that? I sure do. Isaiah 64, 5. You meet him who is joyful. There it is. Joyfulness is one of the greatest qualities that any Christian could have. It's the infallible sign that Jesus is resident in your life. What is real joy? Real joy isn't silliness. Real joy isn't laughing all the time. Real joy can be the quiet confidence and assurance as you're going through the storm, the tough times of life, that God is on the throne and everything's going to be all right. You see, real joy is contentment in Jesus. It's the assurance that God is going to somehow, some way, make a way where there seems to be no way. Joy is a God confidence. Hallelujah. Other day I got inspired and I wrote down, I wrote down a very profound, revelatory series of statements about God. 
These are so profound you might not understand them, but I'm going to read it anyway. Real joy is God confidence because I know, I wrote this down, because I know my God is like Coca-Cola. He's the real thing. My God is like Hallmark. He cared enough to send the very best. <laughs> My God is like Tide detergent. He gets the stains out others leave behind. My God is like General Electric. He brings good things to life. Uh, My God is like Allstate. Uh, you're in good hands with him. My God is like Bounty. He's the quicker picker upper. He can handle the tough jobs and he won't fall apart on you. My God is like Dial Soap. I like this one. My God is like dial soap. Aren't you glad you have him? Don't you wish everybody did? Hallelujah. Listen, honey, listen, sir, ma'am. Real joy, it can't be found in a bottle. It can't be found in a pill. We agree with me. It's found in a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is not a concept. Jesus is not a mythical figure from human history. Jesus is a dynamic, real, personal. You can walk and talk with Jesus. Amen. He desires to be the lover of your soul. Three people in the last service made that decision for Jesus' joy and invited Jesus in their heart and life. Isn't it time you say yes to Jesus? Perhaps your mom is praying for you right now that you would walk with Jesus' joy. There it is. So simply. You see, Peter the apostle said this in 1 Peter, though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious what? Joy. Joy. Real joy is not an emotional matter. Real joy is the consequence of a personal relation with our Lord who will not and cannot fail you or forsake you. Jesus' joy, mark it down, it's a choice. Many of you are making that choice right now. Many of you are making that choice right now. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice. Notice you rejoice by choice. You're as joyful as you decide to be. You got up this morning and you said, Good Lord! This morning! Or you got up and said, Good morning, Lord! This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. Hallelujah. There it is. Write it down. If you would, the joy of the Lord is maintained by feeding and feasting on God's Word. Who controls your mind? Who controls your mind? Hollywood? Your smartphone or the Holy Spirit? We have discovered that the brain is the most marvelous, fantastic computer ever contrived by man. Your brain is the most profound arrangement of matter in the known universe. We still do not understand all the complexities and the intricacies of the human brain. We do know this, garbage in, garbage out. Trash in, trash out. 
You are what you eat. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. And the Holy Spirit cannot live in a trash dump. When you're watching 40 hours of sex and violence, week after week after week after week, it's no wonder you're in depression. You are what you eat, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. What are you feeding and feasting on? The Bible warns us in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by how? What's the secret? The renewing of your mind. How do you make your mind resistant to depression? Jeremiah discovered it. Jeremiah said to God, when your words came, <laughs> I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. I don't know about you, but the first thing in the morning before I shower and cleanse my body the first thing I do in the morning is I have a brainwashing because I need it every morning. And I devour, I feed and feast upon His Word. There it is. When the enemy tries to rob you of your joy, not only believe His Word, not only receive His Word, but release His Word out of your mouth. In the midst of that sickness, in the midst of that financial turmoil, in the midst of your storm or your battle, take your stand upon the promises of God. Begin to open your mouth and confess what you've already studied, what you've already fed upon. Begin to confess, if God be for me, who can be against me? Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world for the joy of the Lord is my strength there it is will you feed and feast upon the word of the Lord this is how we maintain our joy speak the word claim the promises of God believe it receive it then release it to enjoy the joy of the Lord consistently shake off hurts shake off hurts Shake off hurts. It's very, very common for depression to be rooted in rejection. Hurts caused by others. The games that people play. Chronic depression can be the result of unresolved anger, resentment, bitterness towards the offenses, the hurts, the things people have said or the things that people have done. Chronic depression can be the result of suppressed, internalized bitterness towards what people have said or done to us. This is why depression, another term for depression, is frozen rage. Frozen rage. This internalized, suppressed anger. That's why Jesus taught us to forgive. 
to love our enemies. Forgiveness does not condone the injustice. Forgiveness does not excuse the victimizer. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness frees you. Forgiveness heals you. I'll be speaking much more on this issue of forgiveness later on. Your part to maintain Jesus' joy is to shake off that dirt. Shake it off every day. Don't hold on to grudges. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Shake it off, honey. Shake it off. Reminds me of that old farmer's mule. Did you hear the story, Ken, about the old farmer's mule? Old farmer had an old mule. It was one step from the grave. It was a mule that was filled with arthritis. It was on wobbly legs. The old farmer, he would burn his trash in a pit in the back of his farm. And that old mule, his eyes filled with cataracts, he stumbled into that pit. Down at the bottom of that pit, that old mule began to bray. He began to cry. Old farmer didn't know what to do. He said, that, that, that old mule ain't worth nothing. And there's no way I'm going to rent heavy machinery to tow it out of that thing. I'm just going to... I'm just going to fill up the pit. And he got out his shovel, and he starts shoveling dirt on that old mule. That old mule with each shovel full just began crying louder and louder until that old mule got an idea. That old mule with each shovel full, he shook off the dirt and he stepped up. He shook off the dirt and he stepped up an inch. <laughs> he shook it off and that inch became three inches. He shook it off and, and three inches became a foot and then three feet. Uh, he shook it off and wouldn't you know it, before long he could jump out of that pit and the last thing the neighbor saw was that old mule chasing that old farmer around that farm field. <laughs> Shake it off, honey, uh, and step up to what God has called you to be. He's called you to be free. He's called you to be healed. He's called you to walk in joy. Shake it off. Don't hold on to it. Let go of it. Get over it in the name of Jesus. Jesus' joy comes by focusing on the right direction. You know, depressed people... I have discovered that depressed people often live sideways. Depressed people often live looking sideways. I want that car that he drives. I want the house that she lives in. I, I'd be happy if I had his job. If I went to Harvard, I would really be something. There's two things, there's two things I have discovered about comparisons. Because comparisons are ungodly, unholy. Comparisons kill. Two things I've discovered about comparisons. Number one, all that's gold doesn't glitter. You don't have, you, you know, you're, you're envying the car that they drive. Let me tell you something. Most of the time they're up to debt in their eye, I mean, up to their eyeballs in debt. Yeah. All that's gold doesn't glitter. Secondly, there is always, 
going to be somebody, somewhere, better than you and better than me. Just face it. Get freed up. You OCD people like me, just come on. Get freed up. There's going to always be somebody better than you, better than me. But I, I have determined, I've determined to be the best that I can be at my season, my age in life, and what God has placed in my hand. I have decided to pursue excellence. I might not pastor the largest church or be the best preacher, but I'm going to be the best that Lakeside Assembly of God can ever have at this season in my life. I'm going to be the best for my Lord and for you as a church. My Bible and your Bible says in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Where are you at in life right now? What has God given you? What opportunities are before you? Pursue excellence for the glory of God. That's what you ought to focus in on. Yet there's some people that aren't looking sideways. They're looking backwards. They're parking by yesterday's failures. They're living in the rearview mirror of life. They are bogged down by past mistakes, past failings, past sins. And my Bible and your Bible says what? In Philippians, Paul said this. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Stop, stop, stop looking behind and live forward to what God has for you in his marvelous future in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some aren't looking sideways. Some aren't looking backwards. Some are looking within. You want to get really depressed? You want to get really, really, really depressed? Focus on me, myself, and I. Focus on all of your shortcomings. Focus on all your failings, your, your imperfections. Keep your eye and your focus fixed upon self. Years, years, years ago, I was walking down the hallway in our home, and one of my children was in the guest bathroom with the door wide open, staring in the mirror, and I heard these words. I hate you. You're stupid. You're ugly. I quick walked into that bathroom and I gently took that one by the chin and I said, you have been created in the image of God. You are special. You are not what the world says you are or magazine covers say you are. You're not what your past says you are. You're definitely not what the devil says you are. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a blood-washed, Bible-believing soldier of the cross. You're a king's kid. God does not manufacture junk. God does not sponsor or flops. He said, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope and to give you a future. I am for you. Move into what God says about you and you'll be never the same. There it is. Stop looking sideways. Stop looking backwards. Stop looking within. Where do you need to be looking? You need to be looking up. <laughs> 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why do we sing songs here in church? Why do we praise? Why do we worship? Is it just the warm-up act for the preacher to come and preach? Many times we'll call you down here to the altar to end a service with our hands lifted up and we're focused in praise and worship. Why do we do that? So you have, you know, feel-good feelings, fuzzy, warm feelings to go home with? Why do you think we do that? I, I am determined to get your eyes off of your past off of others, off of yourself, and to get your focus on Him who will never fail you or forsake you. Hallelujah. When you're going through down times, when you're going through the storms, when you're going through the battle, lift up your eyes. When you don't know what to do, say this, my eyes are upon you. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will make a way where there seems to be no way. I lift my hands. I lift my voice. And I give you the highest praise. Stop, stop, stop calculating your troubles on a calculator and counting your blessings on your fingers. Turn that around and enumerate your blessings and thank God for it. And watch the joy of Jesus flood your heart, flood your soul, press into his presence. Press into his presence with praise. Press into his presence with worship. If you're really depressed, come to the church. I'll give you a sack of groceries, and I'll send you to a home where you can be a blessing to others. And watch the joy return because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. There it is. Amen. Determined to be a blessing instead of just receiving blessings. Why press into his presence? Psalm 1611 says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Lastly, real joy is a supernatural experience. God is ready to give us this supernatural healing at any time. Galatians 5.22, Paul taught, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's joy. Can man in a laboratory create fruit? Man can make devices. That smartphone in your pocket is more powerful than anything the astronauts took to the moon. Man can make a smartphone, but man cannot make an apple, a pear, a peach. Why did Paul use the term fruit? Because it's alive. It's living. It's organic. I am convinced this morning that some of you, some of you, some of you need a baptism 
of joy. You need to be flooded with a supernatural healing, a therapeutic work from the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, that His person and His presence would be released in you. Years ago, we were driving up Van Dyke Road and the kids are reading all those different signs, the billboards, the marquees, and the kids read a sign, a billboard in front of a tavern. And I heard the question come from the back seat of the car, Dad, Dad, I said, what? What's happy hour? <laughs> you could talk about an opener. Dad, what's happy hour? I guess I wasn't too definitive, but I said, happy hour is when a community of drunks get together and cry on one another's shoulders in a bar. That's the world's version of happy hour. You know what happy hour in the church is? You know what happy hour in the Christian's walk and life is? Listen, I do not discount therapeutic procedures done in counseling or psychology. My youngest just graduated with a, a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and I'm so very proud of her. My Jenny. Is she still trying to figure me out? Yeah. I do not discount there is a place for psychology, psychiatry, for counseling, for therapy. I do not discount pharmaceuticals for biochemical problems in the brain. I do not discount paying $150 an hour to lay down on a psychiatrist's couch. Hear me in this. But there is that which goes beyond. Anything that man can contrive or man can induce. It is a supernatural experience that comes from the person and the presence of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And some of you have been pursuing so many avenues of therapy, so many avenues of health and healing, and the Lord is here this morning, and He's wanting to do in one moment what man cannot do for years and countless years of therapy. It's called the Holy Spirit baptism of joy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for far more than your prayer language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the fruit of the Spirit. Joy <laughs> to control your heart, your mind, your walk, and your talk. How about it? Fill in the last blank here this morning. Life's real happy hours experiencing the presence of the Lord. For in His presence... There's fullness of joy. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you want Jesus joy this morning? Are you for Jesus joy? Stand with me quietly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand with me as Cindy plays. Amen. Precious Jesus. Pastor Hal and I have walked many different valleys with people here in the church. Let me, let me, let me change that word people to saints because I deem them real saints. 
Not everyone here at Lakeside has received a healing miracle. They've received a greater miracle. They've kept the faith no matter what. Many of you have heard me tell the tale of Nancy McMahon. In my early years of ministry, who died with a disease, ALS. I mean, it came from the pit of hell, yet she kept the faith. And I made a vow to Nancy that I would always tell her story. I made a vow to another woman as well, Eloise Castro. Eloise was consumed with sugar diabetes to such an extreme. I remember the day here at the office that Henry Ford West called me and said, would you please come down, your church member? We've just had to amputate her legs. And she's refusing, refusing to see our psychiatrist. She's refusing to receive counsel. I said, sure. Driving over here to Garfield and 19 mile, I, I thought, man, what do you say? You can have all kinds of education, but what do you say to someone who's just had their legs amputated? What do you say? No pat answer. No quickie Bible verse is the necessary solution. I checked in at the nurse's station. They said, Pastor, we're so glad you came. She's refusing to see our psychiatrist. I came in thinking that I would see someone in the black grip of depression. She was sitting up in bed. She had a smile from ear to ear. Her face radiated. And I said, Eloris, Eloris, they tell me that you refuse to see the psychiatrist. She said, Pastor, I don't need any shrink. I have Dr. Jesus, and he's all I need. All I need is his joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Pastor, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you have Jesus' joy this morning? You can't have the joy. You can't have the joy without the Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, in this Mother's Day, as so many mothers are even praying right now, Lord, we pray that you'll come, Holy Spirit, and knock at heart's doors and reveal your joy to them. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please, no one looking around. I am prepared to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you're not absolutely sure you're right with God, if you're not certain that heaven is your home and you want to be, I want to pray for you. I want to include you in my prayer. If you would like to be included in my prayer, a prayer that will make you right with God and give you a home in heaven, just lift up your hand right now. Just lift up your hand right now if you'd like to be included in this prayer. I don't want to leave anyone out this morning. I want to know that I know that everyone is right with God and on their way to heaven. How many are here this morning? Lift it up high so that I can see it and wave it at me. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? How many more? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for waving it at me. How many more? 
Thank you. God bless you. I want to be included in your prayer, Pastor. Include me in your prayer. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I want you to know that you know you're on your way to heaven. How many more? Just wave your hand at me. Wave it high. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Let's pray right now. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud, especially you that raised your hands. Own this prayer. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life, the joy-filled life. I want that life, Lord. A life of joy. Joy in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for bringing your joy to my life. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. I receive this as I believe it. Amen.